This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast. So actually, being 23 is not the norm. Are women funny? Can they be? Oh my God, I don't know. We tear women down as a society. What am I supposed to do? When I turn 40, I was just supposed to explode into a cloud and like go away. Welcome to the I Love Funny Women podcast with your host, Dina Nina. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the I Love Funny Women podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dina Nina. And I'm Lolita D. And we're here (laughs) for this podcast. Hey, Lolita. (laughs) Hey, Dina. It's always good to see you. Likewise. I hate that we're so far apart, but I'm glad you're in the U.S. again. <laughs> I know, right? At least I'm more or less in the same time zone. Jet lag really hit me bad this uh, this week. I had jet lag, and then I also had kind of like this weird menopausal things going on. It's like I create all this heat, and I'm like, oh my God, I have COVID. I mean, I understand it. <laughs> I understand hot flashes. But I also, same with me in the way that um, my cycle hit me really hard this month. Because I'm back on estrogen, so I'm not having the hot flashes anymore. Mm. But apparently every month uh, before my second shot of the month, I get really weepy and moody again. And I forgot that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd Like, I'm super hot and not in a good way. Uh, and then, yeah, weepy and moody. It's terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'm just taking naps on the floor of my office, crying myself to sleep in my office. <laughs> I had a nap in the back of my car. Like, I've never even had sex in the back of my car because in Europe, we don't have cars when we're teenagers. Uh, it's not a thing. And so, and also our parents don't mind if we just have sex, you know, upstairs in the bedroom like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. But I'm finally realizing the beauty of the back of the car is a place I have a nap in the Target parking lot. Oh my God, so good. Yay for blackout windows. Yay for blackout windows. So like always, we would love to hear from you, any of you, please, someone just post a video on Instagram and tag at I love funny women with the hashtag Hey Dina, and we'd love to put you on the podcast or maybe even on our YouTube. I'd love to have a guest, like an uninvited guest. Well, not an uninvited guest, but you know. (laughs) I'd love to have somebody just pop up in my feed. It'd be fun to have like an audience member rather than an actual comedian come onto the podcast. So you, you people, you could make that happen. Just tag us or, you know, yeah. whatever you need to do. We'll, we'll have you on. Now, if you're loving this podcast or even if you're just kind of like, okay, you know, okay, whatever about it. Uh, still, please share it with your friends. And sharing, we love. It's, 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 it's caring and, and other things that rhyme with sharing. Daring. Sharing is daring. Be courageous. <laughs> Share this podcast. Hashtag be courageous. Be Hashtag brave. live on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Make your dreams come true. <laughs> By sharing the I Love Funny Women podcast. 
Hey, this is Door Girl Greg. Thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. If you haven't by now, you should really go to the socials and check out at I Love Funny Women on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube because really, what else are you going to do? So this week in the news, United Airlines announced that they will require all 67,000 U.S.-based employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine because of the Delta variant. The company said that they realize some of their employees will disagree with their decision, but that ultimately it's the right thing to do. The big question now is if Delta is going to require its employees to be vaccinated against United. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. I actually, what I find shocking about that news item, Dina, is that United Airlines has 67,000 employees. <laughs> like, where are they when you need something at the airport? They're on the ground checking to see who has the good porn in their bags. There you go. That makes that makes really that makes a lot of sense. Now, for me, the big news of this week is that the L Word Generation Q Season 2 dropped. Yes. Ooh. Dina, are you a Shane or an Alice? I, I I want to be a Shane, but I think I'm more of a Tina. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. I feel like um like a little like Bets with Tina in Moon and Shane ascending. <laughs> Which is the most L word thing I've ever said. Uh, but the one thing I do have over many of the actual cast members of the L word is that I am actually lesbian. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Welcome to my L world, baby. I'm, I want to be an L word. But I I'm want just, you uh... to be an L word. I mean, it's just like, ugh, anyway. <laughs> Lamenting over my sexual orientation every day. <laughs> Yeah, because that's how inclusive we are we on the are. I Love Funny Women podcast. <laughs> Governor DeSantis has proven this week that he doesn't care about his constituency at all by banning mask mandates for all Floridians, except for the KKK. <laughs> hey, when it's true, it's true. When it's true, it's true. Nice one, Dina. I'm like all those decades that Southerners didn't mind masks. <laughs> Now it's coming to bite them in the ass. Uh, now, speaking of assholes, although at a slightly different level, Andrew Cuomo Ugh. has now officially been outed as an asshole. Dina, did you know he was married to JFK's niece? I did not. Right? I, I was a little surprised to find out. Like, these people are all from big political families, and they're also Catholics, and nothing against Catholics, but it does kind of explain the non-consensual touching. <laughs> Coincidentally, Britney Spears came out as Catholic, showing off her oh. new mask dress on Instagram, but then she deleted the photo. Oh. But she did not delete the photos where her hands were cupping her naked breasts and sunburst covered her nips. So, uh, yeah. Committed Catholic? Committed Catholic. And speaking of blonde, famous people, Amy Schumer has a new cooking show. Yeah. I love Amy Schumer. She's just a ray of sunshine. Like, now I find out that she can't cook. I already knew that she's not funny. <laughs> like, she always manages to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> I feel like you were faking it halfway through. <laughs> I never fake it, Dina. <laughs> And that's all the time we have for the news, quote unquote. <laughs> 
Hey all you funny women, it's Door Girl Greg, and I'm here to say thank you for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. Dina, I don't have glitter in my asshole. Only in my pockets. <laughs> this week our interview is with a Lady Laughs Comedy Festival alum. She is a comedian, a performance artist, and a video artist and painter. She's been on NPR and was a featured solo performer at the Amsterdam Fringe Festival in 2014. And please welcome to the show our guest, Christine Ferreira. Hello, Christine. How are you today? I'm good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I am so excited to have you on the show. First of all, what are you up to uh, in at the, you know, at the current state of how we live in the world? <laughs> well, uh, it's a weird time. Um, so. Just in general, right now, I am living in Chicago. I moved here about six months before the pandemic. I kind of was floundering a lot during the pandemic, obviously. Um, and then maybe about um, a little less than a year ago, I started working with the Lincoln Lodge, which is an independent comedy venue in Chicago. And it's a place that I also had performed and really loved performing there. And um, so I've been working with them. I created a podcast network and studio. So that was kind of my main like quarantine thing that I did. I mean, I did other stuff. I, I made some like videos. I did a lot of writing and that kind of thing. But I don't know, for me, it really was just like, yeah, I really went through the full, I'm sure a lot of people did, but the full <laughs> like depression and who am I? What am I doing? You know, like reconsidering everything including stand-up or performing in general. I'm also like, I've been an artist my whole life. So I work in a lot of different mediums. So some of the upsides for me were that I started like painting again. I started making oh. video work again and sort of um, working on various like writing and um, audio projects. I'm working on an audio series. Um, so, you know, different things, but, um, but then, like I said, I started working with the Lincoln Lodge. So the last, I would say six to eight months has just been podcasting. Like I, I've been helping people create shows, record their shows, publish their shows. And it's great. I mean, they're mostly comedy shows. So it's been, it was a nice way to connect with people remotely <laughs> during the pandemic and, also like work on something creative but kind of low pressure if that yeah. Makes yeah yeah i get that yeah <laughs> we were talking on monday kind of like you and i are are um aging very gracefully and very well by the way we were talking about the diversity in the in the comedy community and entertainment arts community and you brought up the whole age diversity and i found that so refreshing and interesting but like i have people that are in their 60s and 70s and then i have people that are like 18 20 21 you know i don't know if i can say the same like i'm trying to think about comedy specifically i don't feel like i know i kind of feel like i'm the oldest person i know in comedy but god is that really true I mean, there's the occasional, you know, like occasionally I work with like more prominent comics and some of them, I guess, are either yeah. 
kids are older, but I don't know. I can't. God, I, I wish I had a more age diverse uh, circle. I have a diverse circle, but age diverse. I know, I know like a just handful of people that are my age. And I don't think I even know anyone older. Although when I was in Madison, I met a, I met one or two comics that are older and I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like, I don't know. I'm find it fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think starting it is a, especially in a bigger city, like it's a young person's game because you are out all the time, really late um, doing give, open mic, open mic, open mic show case, open mic. Like, I think the thing that made my group diverse is one teaching people. So I have a bunch of older, um, uh, people that want to learn stand up and whether they're pursuing it actively or not is is kind of one of the you know like they're still part of the comedy community i feel so i kind of accepted that and then having a festival where anyone could submit and having them come has been really cool because i feel like we still get a good chunk of of people that are over 50 which oh, is fun yeah that's cool um anyway so what are ways that you think that as a as an industry we can encourage people that are a little bit older to be involved if you think about the last 10 or 20 years there was kind of a thing of like like women had to really say put women on lineups and yes. it's it's a pretty easy thing to just be able to i mean in general to say you know like here's the lineup and this is how it breaks down by like gender or by, I mean, I guess you could break it down other ways, like by, you know, race or ethnicity or things like that. But with age, it's kind of like harder because I mean, unless you got in the habit of being like, hi, I'm so-and-so my pronouns are this and my age is this, like, and I don't I'm a senior citizen. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I get a discount at Denny's. Does anyone want to hang out? Like yeah. that's how change always happens. You know what I mean? Like the the minority that is being like either marginalized or oppressed or ignored in this mm -hmm. case has to kind of put up a big, big uh fight about it and make a big deal of it. It's usually it usually comes from that group. And that's the thing is like, is there even a group? in comedy of like people of a certain age that want to be like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty loud about it. You know, like I'm pretty upfront about my age and upfront about the lack of age diversity. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's also that burden that like, again, like people, you know, people of color and, gender diversity have had to carry so it's like yet another burden that you have to carry of being like always the one who sort of feels like you're complaining even though it's not a complaint you know what i mean yeah but so i don't know it's a tricky one you know like the, i was just looking at the just for laughs new faces and i was like thinking okay they're not saying young faces right but it does kind of feel like, you know, I mean, have you seen a new face at Just for Laughs that's like 
60. Like, I haven't really seen that. I remember a few years the ago. The new faces are like literally new. They have collagen, elasticity. They yeah. are taught. <laughs> right. Like, they're literally 21 years old. I don't know. I mean, but it's kind of, then it gets into is it a bigger society issue? Because another thing that dawned on me during just the last year or so is not just the, like, I was, I, I started thinking of it like I do with gender. Cause I was like, I always have this sense and perhaps I'm overstating it, but I don't think so. Like I literally for the last, my whole adult life, I've actually thought in the back of my head, people hate women. Like they just do. They just don't like them. They just don't like them. Like nobody actually thinks I don't like women. Right. But generally as a society, we don't, we don't like women. Like it's a, it sounds crazy when you say that. And I, I have jokes and things where I'll just be like, um, everybody, we all hate women. And I, you know, I include yeah. myself in it because I'm talking about society. I mean, it's one of those things. Can you prove it? No. Like, but like, if you walk through the world as a female presenting person, you fucking know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just this thing of like, and so like, you know, five or 10 years ago when it was like, are women funny? Can they be? Oh my God, I don't know. You know, and there was like such a debate of, it's like, it seems insane now that they're, yeah. but the thing is, is I was like, it's not so much are women funny because like, there's so many funny women, obviously. And so like when people were making those debates, they'd be like, well, what about Sarah Silverman and Whitney Cummings? And, you know, then just name like 50 million funny women. But I'm like, it's not that, though. It's that we just kind of don't like it when women are good at stuff, when women are funny, when they're talented, when they're smart, when they're interesting. We, we just like we tear women down as a society. And of course, like with millennials and even Gen Z, of course, it's getting so much more progressive and woke. And like, I really feel like every generation makes a big push forward with that kind of stuff. It's a push forward, but it's not like, I don't know, like I'm Gen X and, you know, it's a lot different than when I was in my 20s. But it's not like it's fixed. Like, yeah. is, is racism ever fixed? Like, I don't think so. You know, it's just an ongoing, perhaps forever battle. I mean, I hope one day we see a, a world like, a, I always think of that Wachowski's um, TV show, uh, Sense8. Sense8. Oh. Yeah. I know. I loved that. I loved the first season. But I was just like, oh, my God, this is so it's like a dystopian future, except for it's utopian. Mm -hmm. It's like these, these empathic people who are basically like the next level of human. Like they're so human that they actually feel empathy for everyone. And mm -hmm. they're like, and so I don't know, that show to me was like kind of a really brilliant vision of what is possible. Um, and including like, you know, there was tons of age diversity. There was just like yeah. tons of diversity. I mean, that was kind of like the whole theme of that show is just that like the universality of being human. So I'm totally like talking in circles, but back to my point, which is like your question of, you know, what do we need to do to change it? I mean, I think it just needs to be on the table as an issue to be addressed, first of all, and it needs to be like, I think just like with gender or 
or race or any type of diversity. It just needs, I mean, like the, I feel like there's more conversation around neurodiversity than there is age diversity, which is crazy. It's really the last thing that people feel like, well, no, that's just bad. I mean, like aging is just bad. It's, it's not a, it's not like neurodiversity, you know, people talk about like, you know, these different types of neurochemistries are just different. One is not superior. Like that's the whole thing. It's like one gender is not superior. Like heteronormativity is not the norm, actually, you know? So actually being 23 is not the norm, you know? Yeah. And if you- Is not- bad or embarrassing or just kind of, uh, you know what I mean? Like age already comes with it. It's already built in that there's like, it has its own difficulties. So I think just taking that stigma away, just like we're trying to take away every other stigma and it's yeah. only a good thing because how many funny comics are there that are differently abled, that are neuro atypical, that are of varying genders i mean that's where it gets so interesting because yeah. it's new points of view different points of view cutting edge points of view you know yeah. like i loved that journey because it's so true and if we're lucky we all make it to an age that will be deemed old right and i say if we're lucky sometimes i don't even know if that's the truth but like there are a lot of us that are a little bit older that are still willing to travel and be on the road, even if we get tired or it kind of all balances out anyway, because it's like, yeah, I'm not a spring chicken. And like, no, I probably, I'm actually getting ready to do a month tour by myself, which sounds insane um, right now, but, and who knows, maybe I'll be halfway through and be like, Oh my God, (laughs) Dina, can you come pick me up? Um, But But the thing is, is that it's, so you lose stuff, but you also gain stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I'm way smarter and I'm for sure a better comedian than I was Mm -hmm. five or seven years ago, whatever. But that's the other thing that I was going to say is like this thing of um, like when you get old and you get tired or whatever, part of it for me is also like the stereotypes about age. So like, I, I actually hear a lot of young comics make jokes in which the butt of the joke is just that somebody is like 40 or over 40 or old or some old guy or whatever. Not a lot, but it's, I do hear it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh, that's fine. They don't, they probably have no idea. Like I'm about to go up after them and they have no idea that I'm 51 and they're making fun of somebody for being like 40 and, and they're doing this like old, uh, get off my lawn or you're like, or you know, just somebody who's incredibly um, like politically incorrect or, you know, like, I mean, certainly boomers, that whole thing about boomers. Like I'm an, I've been an artist since I was a teenager. I've been making art, you know, like I plan to make art my whole life. When I was a kid, I would read books about artists and I would read about like, oh, Matisse, when he was in his 80s, he started doing this or whatever. And these men are just giants and they're celebrated or whatever. So when I was a kid, I would be like painting and I would just always think I'm going to paint my whole life. I'm going to make art my whole life. Cause that's what you do when you're an artist. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm 51 and like, so a lot of things happen. Like for, for one thing, almost everybody that I knew in my twenties, like I had a million friends and they were all artists. 
I would say 90% of them are not making art and are basically, you know, they're either raising families or they're working a job or they're just doing whatever, you know, but they're for one reason or another, it's really hard to sustain that over time. And with comedy, maybe even harder, because like you said, it's like, it's exhausting for one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, it's a performance, it's travel, it's a lot of things. So a lot of people drop out of doing it just for very practical reasons. But that's the thing. So like, whenever I hear some young person making fun of old people, I'm like, so, so I'm a 51 year old who's making art every day. Like I'm a pretty diehard prolific artist. Are you saying that I shouldn't be doing that? Like, what am I supposed to do when I turn 40? I was just supposed to explode into a cloud and like go away. Like, so what do we do with people? So if we don't want people to just sustain capitalism and the patriarchy, which is what I don't want to do. I mean, I make art because I find capitalism uh, like completely painful and it's like a desiccated way to live. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no soul in it whatsoever. Like I'm not living to make money. I don't have kids. I chose not to, I never wanted them. And so what I want is to live the life of the artist and create my whole life. But I feel like there's this huge pressure in society that's very much an age thing, which is like, well, if you haven't made it by the time you're 30, what are you doing? Like, and if, and certainly by the age of 40. And so now I'm 50. So it really, when I turned 50, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I was like, I have so few examples, not only of people in their fifties who make art or do comedy, but women mm-hmm. in their who make art and do comedy and are thriving like and are not necessarily famous like there's the few famous like you know Maria Bamford is about my age she might be yeah she might be like one year younger but Maria Bamford is around my age someone like Jackie Cashian who is like a genius a genius yeah but it's but like most of them are like very famous and have like pretty serious careers So if you're not that, capitalism basically says, go away, shut up, sit down, stop, stop making art, you know, but I don't want to because the only alternative is to get a horrible job that I hate, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't really, by society standards, I don't have this like groundbreaking career. I'm not rich. I'm certainly not famous, but I love what I do. I am making the best work of my life. And so I don't want to stop. And so I'm trying to get into this mindset of just being my own role model, if that makes sense. And then people like you, you know, I have, I do know like tons of great people who are doing amazing stuff that I love. And it means a lot to me. Like I, it's funny because when we were talking the other day, you were telling me about some of the rough spots that you've been going through, particularly in the last year, which has just been brutal. But it's like, I just want people like you to know that I think about your work, like I'm aware of it. It's stuff that inspires me. It's like, it is really important. And so I'm trying to break the mold, to be honest. Yeah. 
you know i think me too like i i do this one because i love it two because i love well i mean it's all around love like i love empowering uh, you know, giving people the tools to empower themselves. I love being a part of uh, creating and changing a community's mindset around how women and queer women show up in in the arts in society. But it is hard, and and capitalism. I want the millennials and everybody that came after to know that there are a lot of us who recognize that capitalism is soul crushing and hard and difficult. Well, every generation kind of thinks that they discovered all of this and I'm not dissing. I, I actually really love millennials and Gen Z. Like I do too, I those do. are some of my best audiences. Like weirdly, I feel incredibly simpatico, particularly with Gen Z. I don't know why, but, but the thing is, is like Gen Xers were screaming about this. We were, uh, because baby boomers, you know, that whole thing. I mean, they were screaming about other stuff, though. I do respect boomers because yeah. they were the civil rights leaders. You know, they were like they they were like really radical politically. The only problem is that the baby boomer generation at the time, it just seemed it probably seemed normal to them. But it was like a total anomaly, like the wealth that they came into and the opportunities and all of that was because of the post-war period. So it really was like a complete anomaly, like in the history of, I know a little bit about economics and um, in the history of economics, there's like a couple of like huge peaks and that was one of them. So it was like, like the great depression was like a big, big low and the boomer generation was this crazy anomaly where it was like a bubble. It was unrealistically, the economy was booming. And so basically everybody's been paying for it since starting with Gen X. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I mean, that's all, everybody I knew was making art that was about like fuck capitalism completely. Yeah. And now like millennials and Gen Z are kind of like, everybody who came before us like ruined it and da da da. And it's like, no, no, no. We also were screaming about this and like protesting it. And like, yeah, yeah. And the punk and post-punk scenes, like that was all about not fitting into society and, and creating um, something that's greater than, than capitalism and, and the grit and the guts we needed to push through all of that from the, the late eighties through the, through the nineties, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, it's just that Gen X is got such a small voice. There's like fewer of us and also, you know, like people age out. So it's like, there's less people from our generation that are still kind of like in the public discourse in that way, talking about it. It drives me crazy. Cause I feel like there's so little representation. And so it's like millennials are just so they're such a large group and they're so vocal. And I mean, granted, like, yeah, it's kind of their heyday, you know, or whatever, but it's like, good God, they're so, sometimes I just, they drive me a little crazy with like, just knowing everything. Like, it's like, nobody likes a know-it-all. And also like, literally every generation thinks that they discovered 
gender fluidity and like the patriarchy sucking and like you know right, yeah like, it's like, <laughs> i don't know it's it's kind of funny sometimes but it's just sort of like oh really like wow you're a genius you figured that out like i don't know but anyway you read a wikipedia article about it yeah <laughs> Well, thank you for being uh, who you are in this world and for continuing to do it. And thank you also for being on the I Love Funny Women podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. And I really want to just say again, thank you for all everything that you do because it's made a huge difference in my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. as, I just, as I start bawling. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, Christine Ferreira. Bye. Oh, I'm so sad that the show has already ended. I know, right? It just went too quick this week. Went too quick. Did. And thanks for listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast. You can find us on all the social media at I Love Funny Women, and we are on YouTube as well. And this podcast was written by me. And me. And you can find me on all the socials at Dina Nina XO. And I am on Instagram and Twitter at Lalita D Comedy. Find Christine Ferreira on Instagram at Chrissy.Ferreira. And our door girl Greg is on Instagram at GG Potter. Finally, my heart, my love, Krista Garner, who is our announcer, can be found on Instagram at Krista Garner. This is an Artemis Glow Studio production in association with Crossover Media and AMG. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week.